Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Events are coming back as we move out of the pandemic. Um, you will have Summerfest in September. You're going to have State Fair, which is going to be running in early August. One of the things that, you know, is very important is to make it as easy as possible for people to get to those events. So what's happened year in, year out is you've had the, the bus system that has arranged, I don't know, to, to take people down to the lakefront for Summerfest. They, they've added special routes, typically freeway flyer routes. You know, you can park in one of the freeway flyer lots and then they drop you off at Summerfest. Um, in addition, State Fair, lots of additional bus routes that take people into State Fair. The bus system. Now, this is the same bus system that is getting ready to spend all this money, the 50 plus million dollars on the um, bus rapid transit system. The bus system has announced that, okay, despite the investment in that, we're not able to run routes to Summerfest and State Fair this year. We're, we're just we're not going to be able to do it. Now, the reason the bus company is giving is not because that there's not demand for the services. It's not because they're concerned about covid or anything like that. They say they do not have enough drivers to run these services. Uh, MCTS, that's Milwaukee County Transit System, says, unfortunately, this summer's activities come amidst a tight labor market that's hampering the transportation, governmental, tourism, restaurant, and service industries, as well as many other businesses. All right, they say that they are short 60 positions inching towards their lowest count in five years and they say that's despite aggressive ongoing efforts to recruit hire and train new employees so what they're going to do is they're they're not going to run these services during the various events now just as a starting point i i think you know maybe somebody should just you know call out the, the transit system and say, well, wait a second, isn't it possible that given the added demand for these events, maybe we can rejigger some stuff and, and look at some of these routes just temporarily where it's nothing but air buses, where you have almost no people that are riding on some of these various routes. And, and maybe we could redirect some of the buses just during the state fair period when people will get on it and will ride it to go out to state fair or to Summerfest. Maybe we can rejigger some stuff just for a week or two to, uh, again, try to match stuff out. But, of course, that's not what they're, they're doing. They're saying, okay, we're going to cancel the ridership. The more interesting thing, though, is the fact that the bus company says they cannot get bus drivers. They can't get bus drivers. They say they've hired 125 new bus drivers in the last year, but they're still short 60 positions. Well, I, I was kind of curious about this because this does to me raise one of these larger issues. Now, by the way, I, I think being a bus driver is a very, very difficult and stressful job. It, it's not 
a physically demanding job, like you're not up on a, on a roof in a hundred degree heat, you're not laying bricks, you're not doing incredibly physical manual labor, but it's stressful. I mean, you're you're dealing with traffic, you're dealing with jerk passengers, you're dealing with security concerns. So, I mean, I appreciate that it, it takes a certain type of person to do that. But at the end of the day, you're driving a bus. I mean, and, and again, you're you're not laying bricks in the hot sun. So I was kind of curious, and it's difficult to get an exact handle on 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 being a bus driver in Milwaukee County. But I did just find a, a job posting for somebody with a couple years experience. The fourth year salary rate for a bus driver at, at MCTS fourth year salary rate is twenty six dollars and fifty cents an hour, which translates into around 54, 55 grand a year. Now, that's not the starting salary. The starting salary is lower. I was having a little bit of trouble getting a, a handle exactly on, on what a, a rookie driver with no experience would get. But I, I think at a minimum, you're looking at around 18 bucks an hour, and my sense is that's a little bit low. Plus, you, you get all the benefits of working for the, the county. And even in a post-Act 10 world, they're, they're, they're still pretty darn good. You know, you've got your health insurance, you've got the 401ks, all that type of stuff. My point is, it's not a bad gig. And it's especially not a bad gig, given the fact that you, you don't have to have a master's degree. You don't have to have, you know, a, a juris doctorate. It's, you know, if, if you've got a decent driving record and you don't have a criminal history, it's the type of job that you, you, can, you can do. You know what? With a little bit of training, and you can make what I would argue would be a pretty decent living. But the transit system says they can't find people. They say they've been aggressively recruiting, and despite all this aggressive recruiting, they still can't get people who are willing to drive buses. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, we we hear constantly about you know the the demands of let let's. Let's raise the minimum wage. It's got to be 15 bucks an hour and, and all those sort of things. And, and that, that's all well and good. But here you have really, really good jobs, not necessarily easy jobs. Again, I appreciate that there's all these different stresses. And sometimes I'm sure it's not the most desirable thing in the world. But you have jobs that come with a full range of, of really good benefits, the government benefits, and at least if I'm reading this ad right, you know, you're making 50 plus more grand after a couple years, and, and they can't fill them. They say they're trying to fill them, and they can't find people that will do the job. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I have an open-ended question, which is, what's going on? Because you would think especially given, you know, all the changes that we had in the pandemic and all the different jobs that were lost and things like that, you would think that the opportunity, I don't know, to to get in and, and for example, work as a bus driver for this type of money would have an appeal, particularly an appeal to, I don't know, folks, it's not like, you know, I understand if you were making a hundred grand a year, I understand how this wouldn't have an appeal to you. But on the other hand, you know, 50 grand a year with a couple of years of experience and these benefits, that sounds pretty darn good to me. And yet the bus company says they can't find people. What's going on? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
The threat of inflation increases daily. How will it affect you and your family? Please join WTMJ's Steve Safiti and Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management for a live webinar, Summer School, How Inflation Affects Investing, on Wednesday, June 23rd at 4 p.m. To register, just go to our website, WTMJ.com, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, remember, Milwaukee County canceled the, 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 the 3rd of July fireworks, saying that they, they couldn't find enough people. Now, to me, this was a complete and total failure of the leadership of Milwaukee County, starting with the county executive, who I think is way, way, way in over his head. My point was, look, the 3rd of July fireworks are a really big deal at the lakefront, and you you, you could have... You should have, if they were in danger of canceling this, you, you should have reached out. You should have gone to volunteer groups and said, hey, can we get you to volunteer to help out? You could have, I don't know, said to a lot of the county workers, the kids that were cutting lawn at, at Brown Deer Golf Course or whatever, saying, hey, we're pulling you off this for a couple of days. We're going to have you come down to the lakefront. They could have found a way to make it work, even if they were having this labor shortage, but they didn't. It, it just caught them completely by by surprise. Well, you're starting to see the same thing now with, with the bus company. At the same time, we're talking about expanding and spending millions of dollars to you know, create this bus line that's going to save you seven minutes if you take it from the lakefront out to the medical college. We're now being told that these crowded routes, particularly trips to State Fair and then to Summerfest, they're not going to be able to run them because they don't have enough people. To which my question is, how can you not have a- enough people um, given the fact that at least at the ad I'm looking at, fourth year bus drivers, you know, making north of $50,000 a year with all the different benefits that you get from working for, for the county. It, it's not a bad gig, and yet they've been caught flat footed and haven't been able to fill the various positions they have. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, one reason they are struggling is the pay. Professional drivers are starting at $25 an hour and scale up to $32.34, all local driving and plenty of OT. They need to bump up the pay to draw in more drivers. Well, oh, oh, I don't know. I guess maybe, but again, you're the... The I would be interested to see how the benefits compare because, like I say, fourth year drivers. The ad I'm looking at twenty six fifty. Um, you know that translates into the mid fifties. Plus, you get the benefits. Um, Jeff, this is no surprise. This is a union tactic for higher wages. Well, I don't know. The union wants membership. You would think. Um, Jeff, you are currently talking to thousands of drivers making way more than $50,000. We are all shorthanded. Pay more. Capitalism cuts both ways. Well, I do think it's interesting because apparently 50 grand a year with all the benefits, and I think it, again, it starts, you know, in the, in the upper 30s, that, that, that is not enough to inspire people to want to take the jobs. Which is an interesting point to me because I keep hearing the fact that, oh, we've got, you know, we've got the shortage of jobs and there's no good paying jobs out there. I, I would argue that, you know, thirty five, forty thousand bucks isn't a bad starting salary for people with the understanding that you're going to go up to the, the mid fifties in a couple years. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, the transit system also says, I believe, that it doesn't have the revenue necessary to afford more hires. Makes me wonder how aggressive its hiring efforts really are. Um, you know, that's a fair question at me. 
Jeff, it seems to me that everyone is missing a golden opportunity here. People want to get out. Is this driver shortage due to COVID fear, extended unemployment? Could they run to events with existing drivers by extending current low ridership routes? Well, yeah, that's the that's the simple thing, and that's the straightforward thing uh, about this. And, and that's if if. For example, state fair, you, you attract a lot of people. You, you need to bring people there. Maybe this is something where you say, you know what, during the 11-day the period of state fair or maybe the, the weekdays or certainly on the weekends, what we're going to do is we're going to reroute some buses. And maybe that means we're going to have to you know, delay one particular route on a Saturday that almost nobody rides so we can run a special bus out to state fair that a lot of people are going to ride. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Scott in Racine. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Pretty simple to me. Uh, school bus drivers, they're out for the summer. They have endorsements, passenger, experience. What about them? Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, right. something to say, okay, may, right. maybe even if you're not looking for full-time gigs, for for those couple weeks with State Fair, yeah. that, that 11 days, let, let's try to bring in some experienced people and let's just throw them on the routes. Sure. Right. For the summer, at least, they're out during the summer. And they have experience. They have a passenger endorsement already. I you think so. Well, I mean, I think those are the things that you look at when we talk about kind of thinking outside the, the box, sort of like I was arguing with the, the July 3rd fireworks. I, I think it is a complete and total failure of the county executive and leadership in the county government that you just cancel it. You say, well, we, we can't find people to work down at the lakefront. Well, sure, sure you could. You just didn't try to. You didn't put out a notification saying we're thinking of canceling this. Can we find civic groups that are willing to come down and, and volunteer to to clean up, you know, after the third of july can we find a way to reassign some of the people that are working all throughout the county system for for just a day or two you 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 could do it that to me is a failure of leadership now this i think is perhaps a larger kind of issue yes it is a failure of leadership to aggressively not find enough people but i mean i guess the larger issue though is this this these do not seem to be to be grossly underpaid jobs. I mean, you know, we're, we're told, well, we've got too many people that are just trapped in these jobs that pay eight or nine or $10 an hour. Well, I, I got to believe that maybe there's some of those people that would be qualified, you know, with the appropriate amount of, of training to come out and, and to, to be a bus driver, or at least to give it a, give it a try. What, why haven't we connected with those things? And by the way, I understand being a bus driver's heart. I, I appreciate that. And if you want to argue that, you know, after four years, bus drivers should make more than 55 grand. All right, that's a discussion for another day. I'm just saying that that's not a bad salary. Um, given all the other benefits that you have. Now, somebody texted me saying it's a dangerous job. It, it is a dangerous job, but I'd argue it's no it's no less dangerous or no more dangerous than, I don't know, working third shift in a convenience store um, in certain parts of th- this community and, and making, you know, $10 an hour or $11 an hour. John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, Hi, John. I, I don't, why don't you hire somebody... Yes. Why don't you hire some of the bus drivers that's uh, retired? Yeah, I don't understand that. 
Well, right. Re- reach out. Yeah, I mean, re- reach out and say, look, we, you know, retired bus drivers, come on back for like like a month. We we want to bring you on. We want to assign you to these different routes. Right. You know, offer them. Uh, my guess is, my guess is, you've got a lot of bus drive retired bus drivers, for example, who are you know working at part time jobs and stuff, and would jump at the chance to come back and make twenty five bucks an hour or whatever. You know, driving the state fair routes or driving the Summerfest routes for a week or ten days. No, thanks for calling, John. No, I, I think I, I mean I, I see the the thing is where there is a will, there is a way, and and if you get creative about this, but apparently, I mean apparently the idea is now here we're just going to throw up our hands and say we we can't do anything about it, and it's the riders that lose out. Jeff, my guess is that the hours aren't working for people. It seems like everyone has gotten pickier about what schedule they will work. Well, oh, okay. Jeff, um, I'm an eighth grade teacher with a master's. I would get a sizable raise by becoming a bus driver. Hmm. Jeff, I take the freeway flyer to state fair six to eight times during its duration because parking is so limited and quite the hassle. I can't believe the bus company has canceled the service. Where are all the school bus drivers that are off, you know, during the summer? Um, Jeff, surprise, surprise, Milwaukee claiming an employee shortage again. Didn't they give the same reason not to put on a fireworks show? It's clear Milwaukee was unprepared for the pandemic to be coming to an end this quickly and probably weren't planning for Summerfest State Fair to be going on in the first place. I think that there is an element to that. And again, I, I think that... That You look at the people that run the transit uh, company, you look at the county board, you look at the county executive, who I, I think is probably a nice enough guy, but completely and totally over in over his head on a number of these things. Jeff, is there a risk of political blowback for um, rerouting some of the low ridership routes? I, I don't I don't know, maybe, but how often do you see these air buses going by? By that, I mean you, you pass a Milwaukee County bus, and, it, and it's completely empty. Well, I'm not saying do away with the routes. I'm not saying do away with the routes permanently, but maybe, for example, on a route that has limited ridership on a Saturday over State Fair, maybe you take that bus and you say, okay, we're, we're going to adjust these routes just for this week or two. Jeff, I feel like I remember a news story of a driver that made more than $100,000 with all the overtime worked. Well, um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm sure that now that's probably the exception to the rule with people, you know, working, you know, overtime. But but still, it's there. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. So very glad to have you with us. Yeah, it's going to be a great Bucks game tonight. Okay, here's here is the deal. We always talk about how we want citizen legislators. By by that, it's it's people who aren't the professional politicians. You know, the, the folks who you know wake up in the morning when they're in high school and say, I, "Okay, I, I want to make a career out of politics, and I never want to work in the private sector, and and I just want to be a legislator for my entire life." And and I think for a lot of us. We believe that 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 real world experience and the fact that you you know you run businesses and stuff that there can be a value to that. Now, in the state legislature, there are two different types of of people. There are some that have really never worked outside of government their entire life, and they're. 
They are the professional politicians. And there's other people who have run businesses. Maybe they do run businesses because the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, to state legislators, it, it, you're not going to get rich doing that. You're, you're just not. So there's a lot of people that say, okay, well, I, I've been in business and this is the business I've been doing. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a state legislator and I'm going to take that up, but I'm, I'm still going to continue running my insurance agency. I'm still going to continue, you know, working at my law firm. I, you know, you, you name it. There's people that I'm going to, I'm still going to be a doctor. You know, there's been doctors in the state legislature and things like that. So what happens? Then when you are a state legislature, legislator, and there's an issue that affects like a business you own. So here's the deal. The headline in the Journal Sentinel is two GOP lawmakers who own taverns push bill to ease credit and give other help to Wisconsin bars. Okay, so here's the idea. There's two Republican legislators, Dan Canodal and Rob Brooks. They, they both, they, they op, they own bars. Um, in addition to some other property businesses. There, there is a law that's being considered in the Wisconsin legislature. Now, the, the way we handle alcohol in the state is weird on, on many, many levels. First of all, there's a state requirement that bar owners have to pay their distributors within 15 days for delivery of beer and 30 days for delivery of liquor. Right. That, that's a state law. Now, there, to my knowledge, I don't know that there's any other industry where th- there's a requirement that you can't negotiate your own terms. I mean, if you buy furniture, for example, you can negotiate with the furniture supplier. Hey, I'm going to pay you in 30 days or I'm going to pay you in 60 days. You, you can negotiate these things. In Wisconsin, the law is 15 days for delivery of beer, 30 days for delivery of liquor. In Wisconsin, the state law also essentially requires tavern owners to buy their beer and buy their liquor from distributors. So if, for example, your distributor, let's say you run a bar, and your distributor has run out of a particular product so that they can't provide it to you, well, you have a very, there's a very small amount of liquor that you can buy. You want to go to like Costco and say, okay, look, I, I got to open the bar tonight. I can't, we're, we're, my distributor's out of beer. I need these different types of beer. I can't get it. So you go over to Costco. It's against the law to go to Costco or Walmart or whatever and, and buy beer that you then resell. This is a, a this is legislation that purely protects the, the distributor. And to my mind, it makes absolutely no sense at all. I think businesses you know, should be able to decide where they want to go. And if they can get a better price by going and buying cans of beer at Costco or Walmart, I, I don't know why we're protecting distributors. But anyhow, that's what the law is. So you've got these two legislators who are working on legislation that would change that. Now, maybe you agree with this legislation, maybe you don't agree with the legislation, but you know they, they're, they're supporting it, and they do, in fact, own bars. And yes, it is true, it would, it would benefit them. If it bill passes, it would make it easier for these two legislators and anybody else who owns a bar in Wisconsin to run to the nearest Walmart to get some beer or booze instead of waiting on their distributor. Okay, should the question here 
be is it a good law or is it a bad law and have that debate but of course the tone of the journal sentinel story is oh this is just dreadful that these legislators would be talking about doing something that might affect their their businesses matthew rothschild hmm, head of the wisconsin democracy campaign said it's outrageous they should be ashamed of themselves. They shouldn't be sponsoring bills that would directly benefit their own businesses. We don't elect legislators to feather their own nests. We elect them to serve us, the people of Wisconsin. To which my question is, shouldn't the argument and the discussion be, is this a good law or not? And look, and I don't know enough about the liquor business to, to take a position one way or the other, but you have that these tavern owners, it's not just a law that would affect these two guys. It's a law that would affect every you know bar and restaurant operator in the state and so yes would they indirectly benefit or would they benefit to an extent yeah but it's not just a law for them it's a law for everybody and their point is this is what being a citizen legislature is all about they bring this real world experience they say look here's the problem we understand what happens when you've got a a bar owner for example whose distributor is run out of a product and they're not allowed to run the Walmart or whatever to replace it, you know, they're, 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 they're shafted. So yes, yes, theoretically, this would help us in our bars, but it would also help everybody else across the state. All right. Is this the type of thing that a citizen legislator should not be allowed to consider? Is it outrageous? Should they be ashamed? My response is, Look, there's no question, everybody knows they run bars, that they own these bars. So the constituents can say, yes, they have an interest in this. But of course they have an interest in it because they are businessmen. If you're elected and you're a business person, does that mean you can't bring your expertise to laws that might affect that business if it arguably benefits you? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As long as, as everybody knows that they run bars, I have no problem at all. Now, if this was some secret thing where they had this hidden interest in these and they were trying to do stuff under the table, well, that might be a different story, but that's not the case. Everybody knows these run the bars. Yes, this would benefit them, I guess, theoretically, but does that mean it's not good public policy? 855-616-1620. Don't we want citizen legislators to bring that experience they have to say, look, I can appreciate what the problem is for a guy that runs a bar and suddenly the distributor is out of the product and you can't get it. So yeah, that we, we should allow bar owners to do this. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I understand, I don't really want to talk about the merits of, of the, the legislation, whether or not you know bar and restaurant owners should be able to negotiate their own terms with the distributors instead of having to pay for their beer within 15 days. I, I, I don't know enough about the business to, to know one way or the other. I, I don't know enough about the business to argue whether we should be protecting distributors and saying like a bar or restaurant owner isn't allowed to run out to Costco or Walmart or whatever and, and buy beer or liquor if they if the distributor can't supply them. To me, I, I don't understand why you would have a law like that. It would seem to me that, that businesses should be able to go out and, and do the best. Why are we protecting beer distributors, for example? But that's, again, that, that's, that's a different argument. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. But you have these two legislators who happen to be Republicans, which I'm sure is one of the reasons this got the attention in the newspaper, who are making the argument, they're saying, look, we, we, think, we think this legislation is bad. And yes, we own bars, 
but you know we we think and everybody knows we own bars and but we think we think this legislation is important we think this will make the industry better and yes so we're supporting it and they're being ripped for supporting it i i think this is again this is the citizen legislator these are people who are bringing their real world experience and arguing that we think that this would help our constituents does it benefit them well yeah it, it does I guess, but everybody knows as long as you disclose that, as long as you say, all right, you, you know, you might benefit from this as well. I, I don't have a problem. And I guess I would like to hear the opinion of people who work and own businesses as to how the litigate, how this is going to affect them, as opposed to somebody who's been that professional politician who has no idea how the bar, or in this case, the restaurant industry works. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and text line. Um, Jeff, I, I agree the, with the law and the merits. However, these two legislators, particular bars cannot benefit until after the next election. It's just like the, le- isn't it just like the legislators voting for pay increases for themselves? I'm not, I, I, no, I think it's, I think it's different. They own bars and that would all be in, in there. Jeff, these guys have firsthand knowledge of the problem. I would imagine they have good insight would you call a dentist to solve an engineering problem and no i i i would i would not that that's the idea as long as you know that they have an interest in this so you can you can again other legislators can evaluate this i mean it's sort of like all right let let's say you have and there are a couple cpas that are in the state legislature all right i mean i would you know, if you're asking, hey, we're, we're considering legislation affecting, you know, how how CPAs do business and how accounting stuff would be. Wouldn't you turn to these people who who have it? And and yes, if, if they run their own like um, income tax preparation service on the side, who, who cares? They bring that insight. They can tell you what it's like to have to do taxes during tax time. And as long as you know, yeah, if you pass something like, like this, yes, it will benefit them. But it's also going to benefit thousands and thousands of other people. Um, Jeff, I agree with the bar-owning legislators. However, my take on this is different. The law not only prevents bars and restaurants and grocery stores from attaining liquor other than distributor, it also prevents manufacturers of those products from getting them to customers without a deal with distributors. And then it goes on. Again, I, I... You know, maybe someday we'll debate the whole merit of... We'll debate the whole merit of, of the bill or not. I'm just more intrigued, again, by the whole notion of, you know, the fact that it's just so terrible that these legislators would bring their personal insight. Corey in Madison. Corey, you're on WTMJ. Thanks. Um, As I was saying before, uh, when you and I talked on the screen, I owned a restaurant for years, and when I first heard of that, I just thought it was ridiculous. Uh, My reasons weren't um, because my distributor ran out. I guess, first off, jumping back, is it a good law? Is it a, is it a, an existing good law or not? Is the proposed change good or not? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like they're inside traders. I mean, in a sense, that's kind of what they're, what's being implied if because they have some benefit from that, um, then they shouldn't have a say. Uh, it remind, it, it, I, I'm just wondering what deeper reasons were the, those laws instituted in the first place and are they even valid anymore? Well, see, and that's. I, that- you know, I got, 
So. Yeah, that no, Corey. I'm sorry, I'm kind of up against the clock. I apologize. but yeah, that that's the fundamental question. What what's the purpose behind the, these various laws in Wisconsin? We've created like the, this three tiered system where you've got the manufacturer, you've got the distrib- distributor, and, and then you've got the 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 restaurant or you've got the bar, and it's this three tiered system. And, and right now, it kind of exists to protect the distributor. Maybe there's still valid reasons for that. That, that that's and again, that that's that's fine. Let's have a discussion about this on on the merits and. Decide Decide whether it's a good law or not, but ripping these legislators because they have their own expertise that they bring to this and might indirectly benefit from it. I, I'm sorry, I just to me, I I want. I don't want the professional politicians. I want people who understand how businesses work to at least make the argument about whether or not a law should change. Help your fellow commuters report accidents and slowdowns to the Hall Mazda traffic tip line at 414-203-8100. Visit Hall Mazda during Mazda's season of discovery. The WTMJ five-day forecast. This afternoon, mostly sunny, beautiful 76 for tonight, mainly clear and cool, low 57. Wednesday, awesome, sunny and beautiful, a high of 75. For Thursday, partly cloudy, very warm and humid, a high of 87. Chance of thunderstorms Thursday night into Friday morning, then mostly sunny and very warm Friday, a high of 88. And Saturday, mostly sunny and a high of 77. I'm meteorologist Brian Nisnansky. With the Storm Team forecast on WTMJ. In Madison, 77. Green Bay, 73. Waukesha, 74. Here in Milwaukee, it is 66 degrees. I'm Mike Spaulding. Setting Unlimited WTMJ News Times, 109. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. How much input should an employee have into the operations of the company? I I bring this up because as the Aaron Rodgers saga continues and goes on and on and on, it it becomes more and more apparent about what's what's going on here. Um, And there's a story in the Journal Sentinel today written by Pete Doherty about how big of a voice should Aaron Rodgers have in Packers personnel decisions. And it, it, it talks about how Aaron Rodgers clearly feels upset that he wasn't included he wasn't part of discussions he that uh, when various decisions were made whether it was drafting Jordan Love or whether it was you know uh, getting rid of this player or that player that that he was not consulted and that the advice he had given in some cases you know publicly that that it wasn't followed which i think is a real interesting concept i mean i think if people you know for example you know right now our our last program director here at wtmj a guy named brad lane brad great guy great guy he he left about a month or so ago and he's he's back in in minneapolis got a got a dream job for him closer to his home i i miss him on a daily basis great 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 guy guy we had a great relationship so we're in the process of looking for a new program director all right well my, my boss, who I have a great relationship with, at one point in time, you know, we, we talked about all the different program directors that have been here through the years. And he said, you know, what, what, what quali- I, I, he did ask my opinion. What sort of qualities did you, did you like? And, you know, what, what was it that Brad did that you thought was so good, et cetera, et cetera. So I offered a little bit of input. But beyond that, 
I, I, I am not part of the interviewing process for a, a um, program director. I do not expect to be consultant, but consulted before you know a new program director is hired. That's a decision that is made by somebody at, if not a higher pay grade, certainly a different pay grade, and that that's what they're paid for. And they they have interests beyond what my narrow interest is, which is the Jeff Wagner Show from noon to three on WTMJ. And and I I respect that. It's you know you you have general managers, whether they're at radio stations or insurance agencies, or you have like a committee at a law firm or whatever, they make decisions in the best interest, what they perceive of the best interest of the, the team, the, the business, the, the industry. And if they make bad decisions, they're held accountable. Well, again, I'm, I'm, the, guy that, I'm the guy that does a talk show from noon to three. I, I don't expect that I'm going to be part of that decision-making process because, again, there's all sorts of different factors beyond what would have directly affects me, which brings us to the Aaron Rodgers issue. And this is the story the, the question is you, you have unmistakably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, and clearly, you know, team chemistry is important. And clearly from his perspective, Aaron Rodgers knows what it takes to be a quarterback, you know, uh, for the Green Bay Packers inside and, and out. But, but, even given that, and given his greatness, for which he has paid a whole bunch of money for, all right, at what point in time do you say, okay, Aaron, well, we're going to allow you to have significant input on the personnel decisions, and we're going to let you make the decisions as to who we draft, and we're going to let you, you know, offer input as to, you know, what players we cut and what players we keep. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, to me... One of the big things is, is you have to know your role. If you want to get into management in an industry, all right, get get into management in that industry, and then you're the one that has to make the personnel decisions. You're the one that have to make the finance decisions. You're the one that has to decide. Okay, you know, here's our payroll. How much can we pay different people? That that that's on the management side. On the other hand, if you're you're on the talent side. You're you're working as a salesman or a saleswoman, or you're working as a radio talk show host, or you're working as a quarterback, or you know whatever. You're 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 on that track, and and yes, you you can have input. And good managers, good bosses, are probably going to reach out and solicit your input to an extent that you know, hey, what 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 do you think we need? What would be a good quality? But as far as you know, giving. Giving those workers, whether it's a talk show host or the quarterback or the salesman, giving them sort of veto power or having them in the room and saying, okay, we're going to have you making these decisions. To me, that's just a recipe for disaster for an organization. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if this is really what what it's all about, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to essentially be be the guy in the room who gets to decide how the team is put together or whatever an organization can't allow that to happen that that's just that's not the role you got to know your role and and obviously like i say good managers will you know when if they have valued employees they'll solicit their their opinion but at the end of the day they're the ones that get paid to make the decisions Aren't they? 855-616-1620. And if this comes down to power, like they have to decide, are you going to allow Aaron Rodgers veto power over, you know, which which third string tight end makes the team or, you know, who you should have as the third offensive lineman or whatever? You can't do that. Can you? 
Let's talk to Taylor in Shorewood. Taylor, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Wait, am I on? You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, yes, I am. Okay. Um, so my opinion is um, I look around the evolving scenarios in all of sports for the last 10 years. It's something I went to school and studied for, and we've noticed that players, Tom Brady, LeBron James, uh, they have input on player personnel decisions on their teams. Why are the Green Bay Packers so hesitant to allow Aaron Rodgers that sort of carte blanche or, or input on the Green Bay Packers organization? Well, I don't know that it's hesitant to allow him input. I mean, I, I'm sure he, he speaks his mind. The question is, who ultimately makes the decision? I think on all of these organizations, the GM ultimately, ultimately makes the, the decisions. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers happens to be an owner of a team that a player has input, which Chris Middleton, who will be playing tonight, mm-hmm. would not be on the Bucks team without Giannis giving his input mm-hmm. on whether Chris Middleton should be on that team or not. Well, I sure. think Giannis may be giving input on the next coaching decision if there is a change to be made. So the the the, the culture which Aaron Rodgers has talked about many times of the Green Bay Packers is most definitely beginning to change in on other professional teams on uh, in different other sports even Ronaldo who's playing right now for, right. for uh, Portugal he has input on Juventus well and i guess the question becomes taylor it, right and you you are unquestionably right the, the packers have been a top down organization since ron wolf you know and and through ted thompson and now through the current general manager that you've got the the general manager who that's his job he makes it's always been a him he makes the decisions on personnel now obviously i'm sure he select i mean unless you're a complete idiot you you get input from the coach you know what do you think you need what are you seeing with these different players you get that input but at the end of the day you're right whether it's ron wolf or ted thompson that the packers have always been extremely top down saying that there's one person that has to make that decision i would argue it's worked for the packers is there a need to change it i you know what it it may be because they haven't won a super bowl in a long time but tom brady has that ability to do it with his team and all of a sudden boom they're in they are super bowl champions now one of the one of the theories or uh, scenarios is either you work for an organization or you work with an organization as an employee. So maybe we'll see what happens if the culture changes or slowly changes, which has happened with a lot of, uh, you know, Dallas Cowboys are the same way. They are top down. Right. That is never going to change right, as it's long your, as the Jones family owns, it. owns that team. Yeah, thanks for the call, Taylor. I mean, a, a good perspective. And I, I guess, I mean, look, as I was saying earlier, I, I think any smart manager, if you have valued, experienced employees, is going to solicit input. Gee, what what qualities do you think? I'm, You know, we're, we're hiring a general sales manager. This is the vice president. So if you've got some really good salesmen who are a really good sales, but that's what they do. They're, they're, they're salesmen. They're not general managers. Gee, what what qualities do you think would be good to hire? You know, what, what general qualities do you think would be good to hire for a general sales manager? What's the type of person that you could relate to? Well, a good manager, I think, would solicit opinions. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you can't, can you, can you allow the 
employees, and that's what the salespeople are, that's what the quarterback is, can you allow the employees to make that decision? And I would argue no, because they've got their narrow perspective there. Okay, you know, who would be somebody good in the locker room, or who would be somebody that I I think this guy would be good, he's he's a nice guy, and I think he would be good catching passes. Well, okay, that, that may be true, but maybe... You know, you you, ha- you know other things about the guy with like character issues, or you know how much it's going to cost, and you can't afford that. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, yes, if you want to solicit input, I think that that's fine, but you you can't, you cannot allow. I don't think that the the players, the the salesmen, the individual employees who are hired to do a particular job, you can't allow them to make the personnel decisions because again, they're they're. They're looking at it through their own myopic sort of view that this is what's best for what's best for me. Um, what would I like to see when the manager, the general manager, the owner, the boss has to be looking at the big perspective, don't they, of where, you know, what what's best for the organization in the long run? Hi, Jeff. An opinion is fine. Um, final decision, not. Um, whether it's Matthews, Nelson, we're on the downhill side. If you look at Rogers' playoff record, it's not that of a winner. Well, Aaron Rodgers is very good. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, he didn't like them to see him get rid of Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, you know, was out of football a, a year later. Um, same thing with a lot of those. Jeff, the Packers existed before Aaron. They'll exist after him. The reason is because of leadership. Leadership on the field and leadership in the office are different. Leadership without accountability is a recipe for failure. If he makes a decision, he'll still make his millions. If the office staff makes bad decisions, they don't have that luxury. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, I think until Aaron Rodgers becomes an owner or a manager, he should have no input whatsoever to the team. Hi, Jeff. Aaron Rodgers is just not is not just an average employee. He's an MVP, a Super Bowl champion, an amazing quarterback. You would have let someone like that have input into it. Um, why wouldn't you let um, Aaron be part of the management decision making? Well, because. Aaron Rodgers, my argument would be, he's paid to be a quarterback. He has those great skills. And that's what it, that's what you reimburse him for. That's what his talent is. We don't know if he's talented as being a general manager. And, and where do you, where do you draw the line? Okay. So let's say, for example, let's, let, let's say you have a sales office and you have a couple really, really good salespeople in the sales force, and, and obviously you want to keep them happy or whatever. So you're the manager. You're figuring out you got to hire the you're, – you're bringing somebody in. So you've got to hire somebody else. So you go to salesman number one, and they say, okay, look, you're, you're doing a really great job, Harry. You know, what, what are the qualities that you think we should have for a sales manager, and, and do you know anybody? Well, yes, these are the qualities, A, B, and C, and, and I know this guy. So then you go to the second really top salesperson – and he says, hey, yeah, I, I've got all sorts of input. Yeah, I think you need D, E, and F. And, and here's who I think you should bring in. And at, at what point in time do you simply say, and again, I have no, no, nothing wrong with soliciting input if that's if that's appropriate and, you know, asking, gee, what, what do you think we need? There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, whether it's that salesman or whether it's the quarterback or whatever, you, you can't 
That's not what they're paid for. You can't allow them to dictate this because their interests, like I said, their interests are, are, are their own. They're thinking about, okay, how can I, I don't have to worry about, you know, next year or next week or, or whatever. I, I'm just looking at, you know, short term. This gives me the best chance, in my opinion, to win. And I don't have to think about the rest of the organization. And I don't have to think about, you know, what it's going to cost. And I don't think have to think about where we're going to be two years from now. I can just focus on this. Well, all right. You're, you're either in management or you're in this case, you're, you're the talent. And yeah, management can select your input. But if the deal is Aaron Rodgers wants to be the quasi uh, general manager and he wants to have veto power over like decisions you make in the draft and things like that, I don't think anybody in the real world or in the football world can agree to something like that. And yeah, I, I do agree with Mark Murphy where he says that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is kind of a complicated fella. I think that that's probably an understatement. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, story in the local paper makes a point that I have been making quite a bit. There are um, three Wisconsin lawmakers in the last seven days have compared the German Nazi system, the Holocaust, essentially to COVID-19 vaccination rules and potential gun restrictions. And this this comes on the on the heels of the Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is um, from Georgia. You know, she was um, talking about comparing coronavirus face mask policies to um, the Nazi practice of labeling Jews with Star of David badges. I, I, th- th- this is the best advice I can give, whether it's politicians on the right or politicians on the left, and it cannot be stated enough. Comparisons to Hitler comparisons to Nazi Germany, comparisons to the Holocaust, and anything going on currently are almost always ill-considered. Almost always ill-considered because there's there's nothing like Nazi Germany. There's thankfully there, there's nothing like the Holocaust going on. And you can disagree with the policy. And again, this doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left because politicians of, of both sides do this. It gets more attention in the media when it's Republican politicians, but there's nothing like the Holocaust. And you trivialize the Holocaust, you trivialize the horrors of Nazi Germany when you try to make comparisons. Oh, this is like the Holocaust. This is Nazi Germany. My advice to politicians on the left and right would be just knock it off. It's always, always a bad example. It's never going to turn out well. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. On yesterday's program, I, I, I made a reference to something, and I talked about how I hated it. And I, I got several texts and emails saying, what was this thing you were talking about? We, 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 we don't get it. And I discussed this once before, right after Easter. But I, it, it's worth discussing again because this is another one of these examples of we're from the government and, and we're here to help you. And yes, I stand by my statement, although you, you may disagree with me, that I absolutely hate, you know, auto idle stop. 
or whatever it might be called on your new car. Here, here's here's the, the deal and the story behind this. Um, it, it was Easter Sunday, so I, I, have, a, I have a new car. Uh, it's it's 2020, but it's new to me. And this in the I drive a Honda. And so for the this is the the first 2020 is the first year that this feature was on Hondas. So what happens is I'm I'm it's Easter Sunday. I'm in an intersection getting ready to make a left turn and I'm, I'm stopped. Well, I mean, again, the, the car is, is running and all and I, I'm waiting the, I'm waiting for the, the light to turn green so I can make the left turn. And so I idle and then all of a sudden the car shuts off. The car stops and I'm like, what the blank has just happened? And I'm thinking, oh, it's Easter Sunday, and my wife was in out of town. I'm thinking, oh, th- this is going to be just a mess. And then I take my foot off the brake, and the engine starts up again. And I'm thinking, what what's going on here? And then I start looking into this, and it turns out that Honda models, like mine, are uh, 2020 and newer, are equipped with something called auto idle stop, which... They might call it different things with different cars, and and some some cars, you know, have had this for the last couple of years. This is the first car that I've had that has it. But again, it's one of these things where if you are idling for more than two seconds or so, it shuts off the engine, and then when you either hit the gas or lift up on the brake, the the and it starts again. And it's I think it's incredibly dangerous because there is there is a slight hesitation. And I'm thinking if you're making that left turn in traffic, that that slight hesitation can make the difference between getting hit and not. But that's just kind of my sense. I just don't like the fact that the car is shutting itself off. So I I start looking into this and maybe you already know this, but it's the the it. This is something that automakers who are desperate, desperate, desperate to try to get under federal fuel mileage requirements. So what they do is they, they put this feature in because the estimates are maybe maybe it saves 3% on gasoline, maybe, maybe 3%. It, it's not like it's a huge savings, but essentially your, your car isn't idling. It, it shuts it off and then it, it starts it again. So you're not using the, there's a couple drops of gas while you are you're idling. Now, my argument has always been, all right, that, that's fine. You're saving the gas, but what's it doing for your starter? What's it doing for your battery? Where suddenly, I, I tried this out on um, my normal drive to work one day. I did it. I get in the car, and I start the car, and then I, I drive the car down, and then I come to work. Um, it My car stopped and started about a dozen times, you know, just idling and things like that for, for this couple seconds. And I'm thinking, man, what's again, what's this doing to the internal workings of the car that has to stop and start? for what is a very, very small savings of gasoline, but a savings nonetheless. So I've been talking about with this with folks, and people are saying, there's some people who say, well, it doesn't bother me, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just hate this this feature. What's nice, at least on my vehicle, is you can disable it. There's a button you can push that, that turns this off. The problem is, and again, this is all because automakers are trying to get under EPA fuel regulations. The problem is you, you can't, you, the default position is it always comes on. So I start the car, I push the button, it shuts it off. When I shut off the car and I start it again, it, it's going to be back. So you have to constantly, every time you start the car, remember to push the button. But it, you can at least disable it. 
at least temporarily. There are some vehicles where you do not have the option to disable. And there is some talk starting in the model year 2023 where you will never be able to disable this particular feature. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is this annoying, we're from the government and we're here to to help you. I appreciate stuff that makes cars more energy efficient. I, I get it. But this is this is one that you would think that there would be a degree of consumer revolt about because it is so annoying. Now, I understand if you've got an electric vehicle, this this is this technology happens all the time. The engine shuts off. But I don't have an electric vehicle. I have the internal combustion engine. And I, I seriously I wonder big picture what effect this is going to have long term again on the longevity of things like your battery and things like your your starter. Also. There, there is that slight hesitation that happens when the engine has to kick back in. I wonder about that from a safety feature. But also, I just find this to be flat-out annoying. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I'm going to find it even more annoying, I think, if, in fact, because of EPA regulations, automakers take away our ability to disable it. I mean, I don't like having to push that button, and I forget occasionally, but I can always push the button, and I can disable it and just drive normally. 855-616-1620. Have you gotten used to this feature? And again, I didn't even know about this, because like I say, I this this the first year it was on the Honda CRVs, which is what I have, was 2020, and that's what my new car is. It's 2020. Didn't even occur to me, hadn't thought about this, hadn't heard about it. And it ended up being an unpleasant surprise. 855-616-1620, engine auto idle stop or stop start system. They call it different things on different models. Doesn't matter. Um, I think it stinks. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. See, I guess what I find most aggravating is if automakers want to put this feature in the new cars because they, they think it helps them kind of show that the cars are more energy efficient than they really are that, that that's okay but you, you should be able to permanently disable it i mean it's sort of like like in my car there, there's a feature where you've got like lane deviation and if you like very slightly out of the lane it kind of self-corrects well you can turn that off and it stays off until you turn it back on again. The, the frustrating thing with this auto idle stop is in some vehicles you can't turn it off. There's talk that you're never going to be able to turn it off after 2023. But but here, for those of us who have that button to turn it off, the, the fact is you have to do it every darn time. I mean, just let us disable it. Let us turn it off. And then, and again, for people who think that, that the small savings that you get in fuel efficiency is worth the annoyance and the stress this is putting on your starter and your battery and all those things they go that's fine go with god you, you can have it on 855-616-1620 let's start with jeff in kenosha hi jeff hi i i i gotta agree with you on this uh my wife just got a new car a week ago that has this feature and and it's going to take some getting used to but i'm in the trucking business we have so I know what I'm talking about. I'm in charge of a fleet of trucks, and we start our trucks once a day, and we don't shut them off till the end of the day. But this this little this new car with the turbocharger, uh, the turbocharger is cooled by the engine oil, and if you every time you shut the car off, 
you you stop the, the mm-hmm. oil flow, yep. you can't be helping the turbocharger, which is which costs a lot more than a battery or a starter, which we have to be putting stress and strain on, and the eyedropper full of fuel that we're going to save. Uh, it's we've only have like 200 miles on the car, and it's already uh, confusing us. Uh, we're going to have to get used to this, but. Uh, it might be the wave of the future, but I, I don't think we're gaining a whole lot here. Well, well no, we're, we're not, Jeff. They, they, and I guess, see, that that's part of my, my frustration about this. You, you are, you, it is, it is, not, they, they say maybe 3%. You know, maybe, maybe 3%. But again, if you want to put this feature on, I, I that's, that, that, that's fine. And for people who are willing to put up with the inconvenience and the risk that this is causing all sorts of other stress on your vehicle, I, that's, that's fine. You know, then, then you can continue to have it activated. But for the rest of us, who don't like the fact that you're in an intersection trying to make a left turn and you're paused and boom, all of a sudden your engine shuts off. Okay, for the rest of us, all right, just just give us the option of not having to do that, right? Let's talk to Mike. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. So so here's another uh, uh, another part of that, that situation. I was traveling this past week, and I had that, uh, that feature on, on my car. Right, and we get up in the morning. We get up in the morning on Tuesday morning, last Tuesday morning, and the car doesn't start. So I, I call roadside. They come out. They get it started, uh, and, and we had the same problem again on Wednesday morning. Guy comes back out. Gets started. We take it to the, to a dealership, and the dealership deciphers that it's that it's this feature, and this feature also has. If you have one of these things in your car, you also have another battery about the size of a motorcycle battery in your car besides your normal one. And it's called a stop-start battery. And if that battery goes dead, it tries to draw power from your other battery, and then your car won't start, and that was what my problem was. What, what, type, of, what type of vehicle do you have? What, what brand? What type of car? It's a, it's a cheap Chrysler product. Chrysler product. Okay, now thanks. I, I, now I, I've never heard about that, that second one. I don't know if that's unique to like the, the Chrysler products or not. But again, it's... It's it's an annoying feature, and and getting back to our first caller, I I just I mean look I I don't I'm not a mechanic I don't play one on the radio but this can't be good for vehicles the constant stopping and starting I mean for again a, a tiny bit of savings and if here here's what should happen they should put this feature in. For people who want that savings, that's fine, but the rest of us should be able to disable it, and the government and these auto manufacturers shouldn't take our ability away to disable this thing permanently. Uh, Joy in New Berlin. Joy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I uh, totally agree. I, I have a 2021 Subaru, and it has the feature. And my main concern, I told your producer, too, I equate it to, like, when you lose your power in your house. Yep. You purposely go around and turn off your major devices, your TVs, your computers, so there's not a surge of power being drawn when it comes back on. The same's got to be true about our cars on these hot, humid days. Have the AC going, probably had a radio going, and to have that pull of power mm-hmm. each time's got to be really detrimental. I well, you know, they say on on hot days and stuff, or on really cold days when you're running the heater or the air conditioning, it, it won't kick in. But it, but to your point, your larger point, right? It can't be good for the car. It just, it just can't to be stopping and starting all those times. Um, so you, you know, don't. If we're saving fuel. Why not? Are they going to put a regulator on so people can't speed up at the 
when the green light happened um, <laughs> right and the little bit of gas we're saving right exactly no thank no thanks for the call i appreciate it um let's see chris and slinger chris you're on wtmj hello hey hello thanks for taking my call yeah so my mom and dad have this on their truck they can't stand it we have it on our jeep my wife doesn't mind it. I can't stand it. In yeah. fact, I've read that there's a little plunger or something under the hood that I can remove something from, and that would uh, eliminate it. But I guess the thing for me is, aside from it just being unsettling, maybe going back to my college days or when I didn't have good cars and stuff, like if you were coming home from up north or something in the winter and your car didn't start in the morning, but your buddy got you jump-started, you get your car started, you keep that thing on. So I, I just don't like this idea that my car can decide when it wants to shut off. Well, right, right. They, they Right, and and we'll do it constantly. I mean, it, it, was, it was just kind of freaky. Now, I mean, look, I I understand. There's some people I, I know. Some person who uh, I, I have one acquaintance who um, it's on his wife's car. She doesn't mind. It loves the car. Doesn't mind the feature. Well, okay, that that's great. Jeff, aftermarket manufacturers have started to make plug-in black boxes that disable this feature. I saw it on a cable car show. It'll probably void the warranty, though. Well, yeah, that's um, this is yeah, Jeff. I have a hunt. Yeah, so that that's. I mean the product. I mean, I, I maybe there's these aftermarket market things out there, but I'm not fooling around with that because it may very well void the warranty. Jeff, I have a Honda Pilot. This feature drives me absolutely crazy. Jeff, I have a 2020 uh, Kia. Um, I hate the auto idle feature. Um, yeah, let's see, Jeff. I have a. I just dr- I drive a 2019 Subaru Forester with auto idle stop. I've gotten used to it. Um, um, so I put up with it, but as far as saving gas, I think that's baloney. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I'd worry it wouldn't start back up again, and then you hold up traffic at the roundabout or whatever. Well, that's why, I mean, I think unsettling is the best way to do it. Jeff, I agree, my job is driving different vehicles. I dislike this feature immensely. Um, let's see. Jeff, for $100, you can buy a device that plugs in to bypass it. Again, I'm just, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm going to do because I, I don't want to, again, do something that avoids the warranty. Jeff, I drove a friend's new $40,000 truck, didn't know about the auto turnoff. I think it's the dumbest feature that I have ever seen. Well, you've got that there as well. Jeff, our 2017 Cadillac and 2020 Chevy has the economy feature you're speaking of, but if we have air conditioning or heat on, it does not stop or start when idling. That's um, how, so that's how we avoid the this annoyance. Well, I mean, look, I, I like to turn the air conditioning off and have the windows down a little bit. Jeff, I currently drive a 2016 Hyundai, and I swear I will not buy a vehicle with this auto stop, idle stop feature, nor will I purchase a vehicle with a push button or rotating knob transmission shifter either? Well, I guess it's all individual preferences and things like that. But if, if you haven't, if you haven't, that, okay, here, Jeff, we bought a Volvo, um, uh, CUV last year. When we test drove the car, I initially thought the car stalled and later found this to be normal and the car started up again when we released the brake. There is a shutoff option, but I must say I absolutely hate this feature. It's not only annoying, but like you say, I'm sure this adds wear and tear on the starter and the engine. Really dumb idea to put on there and I'm sure this is some eco-nonsense. Well, it is. That's You get a, a small savings on gas and now you know you you have this feature but 
here, here's my warning. And it's one of the reasons I bring this up. Like I say, the stuff I read tells me that you might not even be able to disable this bad boy starting in 2023. This is, hey, we're from the government. We're here to help you. We're going to try to manipulate the EPA numbers and things like that. And, and if you want it, Fine. I mean, again, I, I have no problem if you want to put this on as an option, just like um, in, in many cars. My car, for example, has an economy mode. I drive the car in economy mode. I, I save gas. I don't notice a particular performance difference. So if you want to drive it, in, but I, I don't have to drive it in economy mode. I can drive it in the regular one. If you don't like economy mode, you don't have to do it. To me, that should be how auto idle stop works, and it should be a default, and it shouldn't be mandatory. So there. Well, lots more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you with us. All right. Are we really doing people a favor when we let this happen? And what about the rest of the community? Now, remember in Milwaukee, we had a situation, I guess it was like two years ago, where you had the the huge homeless encampment that had um, spiraled up under the freeway bridges downtown. And and you had people in, in authority who essentially looked the other way and allowed this to go on and on and on. And finally... I think in part because there was concern that you've got the Democratic National Convention that was scheduled to come. Finally, authorities moved in and, and they, they cleaned out the, the homeless in, encampment, recognizing that this just wasn't good. It was unsanitary. It was a, a nuisance. And ultimately, they were able to, to get rid of it. And it, it really hasn't. While you still have people that are under home, under freeway bridges and stuff, you, you don't have the homeless encampment that we had a couple of years ago. Well, that brings me to, to Madison. And there's a huge problem at one of their parks, Rindle Park. And here's the deal. There, there have always been a handful of, of people that have been living in this park. And that's just been going on. But apparently um, what happened is three weeks ago, the Madison City Council put a pause on evicting homeless people from the park. And since then, the encampment, quote unquote, has grown from a couple people to more than 50 people with more people coming in any day. You've got clusters uh, of tents that are there. Um, you've got an RV that's parked on the grass amid tents. You've got all sorts of people that are there, and their numbers are increasing. Now, along with the numbers increasing, there are all sorts of of problems. Apparently, you, you have a huge problem with theft. That is that people, you know, are stealing residents of this tent city or stealing from other residents of the tent city. There are, are health and safety concerns. Residents of the area and people who use the park have apparently been harassed. There's drug dealing that's going on in the parking lot. And in general, it's it's just a mess. It's just a, a mess. Now, there is a ban on camping. You're, you're not allowed to, to camp in this park. And originally, authorities said that they were going to enforce it. 
But what what happened is Madison being Madison, they, they put a hold on that. And as a result, what's happened is the number of homeless, quote unquote, campers has increased dramatically. And so now you have the problems like I was talking about, but you also have problems with, you know, sanitation. You have problems with clutter and litter and things like that. And, I mean, part of the thing is some of the people that are living there have have um, issues, not just health issues, but they have mental health issues. And, you know, they're acting out in fashions. And, and you've got even, you know, some of the people – who have been living there for a while, you know, they're complaining because, you know, some of the people that are living with them are, again, they're, they're thieves or, you know, what, whatever. So then there's other problems about, I'm looking at the story, reports of women being harassed when biking or jogging or at the playground with their children, community garden members being harassed with some campers using their water resources. You know, it, it goes on and on. People driving vehicles on the bike path, park, people parking vehicles, RV campers and things like that in, in the lot. In, in essence, it's, it's a mess. And the police officer there says, look, the situation at this park is not tenable from a health and safety standpoint. There are undeniable issues related to sanitation and drug use. The encampment is definitely interfering with other uses of the park. Um, there was somebody last year who was beaten to death. That hasn't happened this spring. And no, nobody's coming up with any sorts of ideas, and they're letting it stay. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I appreciate, as I, I did when we had this thing going on in Milwaukee, I appreciate that homelessness is a very, very real issue and that, you know, to the extent possible, it needs to be addressed. Having said that, we it seems to me that you cannot, if the rules are, you, you can't camp in public parks. You can't go down to the lakefront and, and pitch a tent and stay overnight. If those are the rules, and there's valid reasons for those rules, you can't allow people to simply squat in public areas because this is exactly what happens. You have two, and then it becomes 20, and then it becomes 50, and then it becomes 100, and you have all these problems that are there. I don't think you're doing the homeless folks any good, and you're certainly doing not doing the residents of the community and the people who use the park any good. 855-616-1620 should, in situations like this, whether it's Madison or Milwaukee or Waukesha County, should authorities go in and clean out these these parks and say, look, you've got two days, you got to vacate this, got to figure this out, but you can't camp in the public park. My answer would be yes. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Lou from West Dallas texts, Jeff, what drives me crazy is I pay taxes for these parks, and I can't do what these non-taxpayers are doing. I'm sick of looking away at this side of society. Kick them out now. Well, that that is an interesting point because, I mean, I, I always think this is back when Milwaukee still went ahead and had the 3rd of July fireworks before we decided we can't do it because the park system is so screwed up that they can't get enough employees and they waited too long to request volunteers. But remember, you always have this thing. There would be people who would go down 
on the second and they, they'd want to they'd want to set up tents and they'd want to camp and they'd want to be there in anticipation for the third. And, and there was always this pressure that was brought on the sheriff's department to go in and, and clean out these folks because technically you're, you're not supposed to camp overnight in the parks. Well, common sense prevailed and people said, look, these folks are down there for the fireworks. We'll make a one night exception. But, you know, you, you, you can't just set up a tent. You can't just pull an RV into a county park and expect that you're going to live there. So it was always something that made, again, eminent sense to me, which is the way the way they approached it. And because, well, why can't you set up a tent down at the lakefront? Because there's all sorts of other people who are going to come down and they're going to use the lakefront parks. And, you know, they have a right a- as well. They want to walk across the grass. They don't want to be in a situation where you've got 50 or 75 or 100 quote-unquote campers that are hanging out there with their own little village in this public park, which essentially makes a large part of the rest of the park unusable for people because it brings all the attendant problems that that come along with this. Now, I, I... as I said earlier, I understand that homelessness is an issue. I understand that, you know, people have to be, be somewhere, but that's why you have shelters and things like that. And if folks, well, I don't want to be in the shelter when it's nice. Well, sorry. You know, you, you can't be in a public park and especially not just set up an encampment where you're going to be there for weeks and weeks and weeks and, and maybe permanently. That's not what they were set up to be. And, I don't believe we do, we even do the residents, quote unquote, of those parks. We don't do them a favor by saying, okay, you know, we're going to settle you, you in here and you're going to be in a tent and, you know, you've got somebody else who might be dealing drugs next to you and you've got somebody else who's going around stealing other people's stuff and you've got all the other attendant problems that are wrong with this. I don't think we're doing anybody a favor by allowing that, you know, to happen. So, if this was a one-time exception, one night, people there for the 4th of July, something like that, oh, okay, that, that's that's a one-time special sort of thing, and that's common sense. This is allowing people to move into a public area and just take it over for, you know, for for permanent stuff. And if you look at what happened to San Francisco, and one of our textures makes that point, San Francisco, one of the great cities in North America, at least before, has been overrun with homeless people, in in some cases at least, mentally ill homeless people, who even when offered like shelters at different places don't want to go. They just want to stay on the streets to the point that it makes it very, very difficult to walk down the streets of San Francisco without being aggressively panhandled. And if you want to try to go into a store, you're climbing over, you know, people in sleeping bags and things like that. It's making the city essentially unlivable um, for certainly for tourists, but probably for the merchants there as well. And I would argue you're not doing the homeless people any favors either. And if this type of stuff is allowed to continue to go on in Madison, I think that you're going to see Madison becoming the San Francisco of the Midwest. And in this context, it's not a good thing. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> An almost perfect day outside. Uh, Not a cloud in the sky, 67 degrees. Doesn't get much better than that. All right. I've been waiting all day to discuss this with you. I um, was talking to a young man um, the the other day who who was... 
the friend of this the child of some friends of mine we were just kind of having a discussion and um young man had been is in school but was working part-time at a a retail sort of job didn't particularly like his boss didn't particularly like the job and i said well well how's it going and he said well i I've, i'm in line i'm getting this, this i'm getting this new job and so i'm going to move from you know place x to, to place y and so that that's that that's great and I said, you know, when when are you doing this? He said, Well, I, I have to I have to wait. I don't start my new job until um until a week from Monday or something like that. That's what it was. And I said, Well, have you told your, your old boss you're leaving? He said, Nope. He said, Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in. I I'm, I said, Well, when are you planning to, to resign? He said, Well, I'm he said I, I if I tell him it's probably gonna be that Friday. I'm gonna do my last shift and then I'm gonna say I'm not coming back. And and I stopped and I said well, why would you do that? And then he he said, "Well, because they haven't treated me very well, and I, I I don't really like the guy, and I don't et cetera et cetera." And he was doing those things. He said, "So I don't feel obligated to give him notice." And I said, "Look, I I mean, I'm not in your shoes, but I don't." He said, I, "I don't understand the idea of of burning bridges." He said, "Because you know, it, it might be at some point in time, you just you just never." You never know when people's paths might cross again. You never know when you might need a, a reference. I said, you know, if you were asking me, you know, and, and you know you're leaving, I, I would give I would give your employer, the, the your present employer, I'd give them the most notice possible. You know, if, if you know for sure that you're going to be gone, I, I'd go in today and say, hey, you know what, I, I've really enjoyed it. But here, I, I'd give two weeks notice. If you don't feel you could give two weeks notice, I'd give because you know you're going to be starting your job, you know, in ten days. I'd give as much notice as you possibly could, and I, I'd leave gracefully. I wouldn't sit there and I wouldn't tell you know your former boss what you think of him as a person and a member of the human race. Said so it's just it, it seems to me that even if you haven't had a great experience, it, it's not. It, you don't accomplish anything. It's not productive to turn this into what was the Seinfeld thing, you know, a festivist thing where you are, air all your, your grievances. It just, it's always better to to leave, you know, on a high note, to give people notice so that they can try to fill your spot or, or whatever. I mean, I, I just, I think it, if you're going to quit your job, that's fine, but it's always best to try to do it it gracefully. Now, I, I, I bring this up because there was a story the other day in the Wall Street Journal that caught my attention that talks exactly about this. And it, and it gives it gives advice to people who are thinking of leaving. And this is particularly pertinent now because one of the things that they are finding um, is that, you know, as the pandemic winds down, instead of going back to the office, a lot of people are just quitting instead. In April, the share of U.S. workers leaving their jobs was 2.7%. That's up from 1.6% a year earlier. It's the highest level since 2000. That's about like 3% of workers just, just quitting, leaving leaving their job, presumably to go somewhere else. So, I mean, this article I was looking at has recommendations. It says, look, don't don't blind, blindside your manager. Don't blindside the boss. You know, give them give them as much notice as as you can. Um, give two weeks notice at, if possible. Um, when you're, when you're leaving, you know, thank them for giving you the opportunity. You don't need to, um, go through all the details and the things that upset you. I can't believe you had me work with that, you know, X person. You know, just, 
just say thanks for the opportunity and move on. It's always the better way to leave a job. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, my, my, I understand, especially for people, and I was trying to communicate to this young man I was talking to, I, I, I understand that they're, when, when you're getting ready to leave a job, especially if it's a job that you don't think you've been treated well at, there's this, this tendency to want to kind of lash out and, and tell people what you think and just get all this stuff off your chest and unburden yourself. And I was trying to say that really isn't the best way to, to go out. It's just you're, you're much better off on trying to leave on a high note and, you know, then somebody, I was talking about this, and somebody says, well, don't you understand? Employers don't have any loyalty, et cetera. So well, it's not about that. It's just about you, you, you never know what's going to happen in the future. You know, you might need a reference. You might need a recommendation. You might run into people that you worked at at this job somewhere down the line. You just never know what life is going to bring. And to, to try to quit in a huff, because it, it might temporarily make you feel better. I said, you know, maybe it's going to give you this momentary satisfaction, but big picture, it, it's it's just not the right thing to do. You, you've stuck it out at this job for, you know, X number of months and you've been unhappy. Stick it out for it. Make the best of it. Stick it out for another week or whatever, and, and then move on. 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, when you are leaving a job, does it ever pay to just kind of get angry and, and storm out, or does it make sense to try to try to take the high road, and if you're leaving, try your best to quit gracefully? I mean, that, that I guess, was the, the message I was trying to give. I'm not sure I was getting through. Let's start with Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, um, you know, Jeff, there, there are there there are a couple lessons in life that I I, I wish, you know, people would learn in high school. Um, it's it's to not burn bridges uh, going as a young person going through your life. We all have uh, you know uh, our dislike or, or animosity maybe towards bosses, but it's always best to leave on a positive note. As you said, it, it's it, you never know when you're going to need that reference. And um, you know, another lesson uh, I, I know it's a Hackman phrase, but just along to get along. And you, you, young people would 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 um, you know they they would do better to to remember that. But you know it's 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 man's downfall. Revenge is is is, is not a good thing, and it it leads to you know more troubles in the future. Well, well, thank, well so. see, I, I guess I agree. I mean, see, I mean, big. You, you're trying to think about the big picture and stuff that might make you feel good. I really told that so and so off. Well, okay, but, you know, big picture, you've worked at the place for six months or, or whatever. You're, you're leaving. I mean, why not leave and try to make it as a positive an experience as possible? Now, here's a text. Jeff, will your company give you advance notice before firing you? I think it's a two-way street. Well, I, I don't know if they will or not, but at, at the same time, you would like to, to think it is, and you'd like to think if your employer makes the decision that they're going to move on, that you have, that they have this ongoing discussion, and they say, look, I'm, I'm sorry, we for, let, let's say you're not being fired because you stole stuff or things like that, but it's just a, simply a position where it's not working out. I, I'd like to think that the bosses would go in and they'd explain, look, we're, we're sorry, or we've had a slowdown in business or whatever, you know, we're, we're going to have to let you go, but we're going to give you a good, we're going to give you a good recommendation, and, and, and we're, we're sorry that this is is happening 
I think it's best if we all try to live on a positive note, but I can't control what the employers could do. I could give them advice as well. But from the perspective of the employee, in this case, you know, that this young man who's going to be, this isn't this particular job he was in, is not the job that he's going to be in for the rest of his life. You know, he's just you know, working through school and making a little bit of money. Um, going out on a bad note didn't seem to me to enhance it. 855-616-1620. We do this for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Laura in Plymouth. Hi, Laura. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Does it ever pay to just tell your boss, your soon-to-be former boss, what you think of them and storm out the door with no notice? (laughs) Um, In my opinion, no. Um, I've quit several jobs, and my parents taught me to to give plenty of notice and I've always done that up until this February and in February I walked off the job that I was on and never came back um, and, and sent them a resignation letter and totally aired my grievances <laughs> and <laughs> it's um while they were just in honest grievances I think there's in um, enough there's a little bit of a blacklist that's going on now and even even though I had planned on quitting in the future and was going to do the honorable thing, um, kind of hit the last straw and, and kind of snapped. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the plan, but if I could advise um, that gentleman in your, in your life, just be classy even if you're not feeling classy mm-hmm. because that will follow you down the road. Um, do what your parents say. There's a reason that that's the standard. But in millennial culture right now, what I told your um, producer um, I've been reading on BuzzFeed and Reddit. It's kind of a trend to to walk off the job and do it elaborately, to just <laughs> just say your piece and then post it on the Internet and, like, feel really good and empowered. And that's just a really bad idea. makes for a good story. Um, well, right. And, and, until you need, for example, you're applying for another job and, you know, they, they ask you what you've been doing for the last eight months or so. And you say, well, I've been working so and so. And then, you know, they, they call up your former employer and say, well, let me tell you what that Laura did or whatever. And and, right. and it comes and or to your point, like the blacklist, you you know, they, they call your former employer. The empl- former employer says she just disappeared one day without any notice at all. Yep. And then the new employer or the new potential employer thinks, Huh, if she did that to the last place, maybe she'll do that to me. Maybe I should find somebody different. That that's the problem and the risk you run. Right. And it it felt good in the moment and it felt justified in the moment, but it was it was the wrong decision. It was the childish decision. And um, one I won't make again, and I would counsel other young people to not give in to that temptation. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for going. No, you're, you're right. It, it feels, I get it. it. It feels good in the moment. I'm, you know, now I, I think for people who, who've had good experiences at work, see, that's kind of the thing. If you have good experiences at work, you, you want to leave on, on, on a good note. There's all sorts of reasons why people leave their jobs. And, and if you've been treated well by the company, you, you want to, you want to give them notice. You want to just go out with your head out high. And look, 
and I understand it's not necessarily a two-way street. I'm getting texts from people saying, well, Jeff, you've obviously never been fired, and because what happens is you get fired, they pull you in, they, they give you your box of future endeavors, and the security guard walks you out the door, to which I think, boy, I hope it's not always that way, and you'd think that there'd be a degree of trust that's there, but even if there's not, from the employee perspective, just quitting in a huff with no notice, it, it I just... I just don't think it helps you. It might, like she said, it might make you feel good in the moment. Let's talk to Colleen in West Bend. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think? Good. Well, I agree that, you know, you don't just walk off a job. And like you said, it feels good at the moment. But, you know, later on, it can come back and bite you. So but my story is about a young man who just graduated from high school and was working at Jimmer's Restaurant. And he's been there for four years. And he does not want to go to college. He wants to get into the the building. And there's an opportunity for him to work for this building company and decide what he wants to do. Does he want to be an electrician, a plumber, or whatever? So he gave notice and told him that he would be leaving in two weeks. And they asked him if he could please stay for three weeks. And so he said, well, let me talk to the new guy. So he did. And they said that would be fine. And his mom said, well, you don't have to give him three weeks notice. He goes, mom. I've worked there since I was 14 years old, mm-hmm. and, you know, I want to, may have to use them for a reference someday, and I want to do the right thing. So, you know, there's kids that just blow off the job, and there's kids like this one, which right. I'm just so proud of this little guy. No, no, th- thanks, for, no so. thanks for the call, Colleen. You're, you're right, because that's, and, and look, I mean, in, in that particular case, if he ever needs that place for a reference, or, or you know, who knows, you, you, you might you, life is funny. You, you never know where you might want to like revisit stuff. You, you end up going back, and and you you've you've left a positive impression. So that if you ever need to go back, and even though it's not what you think you want to do for your life, maybe you need to to pick up a second job or something somewhere along the line. You've left a a positive note. I mean, one of my stories. I've told this before. I went through college in three and a half years, and so between college and law school, I, I worked at an insurance company downtown. And my, my intention was always go to, to law school. And I, I didn't make, I, I made no bones about that. You know, I was going to go to law school. But we, we had a really good relationship. I didn't, I, I didn't burn any bridges. <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, they, you know, this insurance company, they, they offered me, hey, you want to work part time when you're in law school? Um, you want to work that first summer if you're not getting a legal clerkship? They were very, very good to me because you, you didn't burn bridges. And, and you never know when that's going to be important. Matthew in Milwaukee. Hi, Matthew. You're on, w- you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. I have a unique perspective in that I actually left my current employer for a year due to uh, I was in sales and the sales hours didn't fit my my children's hours. So I ended up leaving. I wasn't disgruntled. I could have told them a few things that I didn't like, but I I ended up getting asked back to run the company a year later, which obviously was was a major step up. But I would say my perspective is one that do I like when guys or, or, or gals quit abruptly, say, screw this, and, and leave, or maybe even say some things leaving the door? Yeah. I, I don't. However, I will say, if, if a manager is, you know, I guess secure enough to hear the worst parts about that company or right. about how they run the business, that kind of... That kind of vitriol, I guess, is actually extremely helpful. I've, I've actually used things that were shot, <laughs> shot back at me before they left and, and actually 
was able to look at myself or look at the company and say, what can I do? Right. And I think it all, and I, I think, you know, like an exit interview. And, and I guess that's, I, that I think I agree with you. That That's kind of a good management strategy. I, hey, Matthew, you know, what, why is it that you're leaving? Well, I can make more money somewhere else. My The, the hours just aren't conducive to what I'm doing. And, and by the way, I just, I don't like a couple of these different policies. That's, that's different than, you're a lousy human being. I can't stand you, or you know, or or just not showing up. You know, given no notice. So I mean, I, I right. I think that there could be a value, and I mean, I would think from a management's perspective, if you've got a good employee who's leaving, you you want to know why it, it is. So m- maybe you can reassess a little. Say, hey, do I do I need to have a little bit more flexibility in this policy or that policy or whatever? Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate exactly. the, no, no, I appreciate the perspective. And again, it's right. There, there's nothing. I guess I'm thinking more of the this kid is. I'm, I'm giving no notice. I'm just heading out the door. And I, I again, I was trying to discourage that because I just I don't I just don't think that's the right long term decision. Paul in Milwaukee. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Paul. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think about this? Well, grass is always greener on the other side. Um. I have an example of a coworker of mine who was with a company for a long time, and he was a little disgruntled, and he wasn't going to give a notice. And I just kindly suggested you might want to for this reason or that reason. And what do you know? Ninety days later, he's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not the it's not the first time. Same company, different different coworkers. Right. Right. You, you, you just never, you think I'm never coming back. I'm never going to want to do this here. I'm going to burn bridges. And it, it rarely benefits you. It rarely does. Might make you feel good at that moment, but, but what have you really accomplished? Big picture. Yeah. And there's a reason that you've been with a company for that long. You know, is it really that bad? Yeah, right. Right. Thanks to call. And again, I'm not in a situation. If, again, if it's a situation where, oh, I, I again, I, I don't know. There, there's abuse or there's theft or there's stuff like that. It's a different sort of story. Um, do we have a traffic? We, yeah, Jeff, we do. We have a full closure eastbound 94 in the stadium interchange due to a report of shots fired. The Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office says northbound and southbound ramps at 35th Street are also closed due to this incident. Traffic going through the American Family Field area currently working to be diverted. No injuries reported, but again, if you're stuck in this, it might be a while before you're able to get off the interstate. We will continue to monitor and bring you those updates when they happen. This is the third day in a row that the uh, highway system or a portion of it's been shut down. I, I was, I was just testing my memory because yesterday we had a closure that just west of the stadium, yes. right, Holly Road. Again, it was a report. It was a, what they describe as a law enforcement thing where yes. there was police out going there. Wonderful. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.